0: I think it's a good thing to look at. Amen? I'm going to look at some Bible hows. I'm going to start with one in Matthew chapter 6 and verse 28. It says, why take ye thought for raiment? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They toil not, neither do they spin. Many times when this scripture is brought up, we take it from the perspective of let's not worry. God's taking care of business. And we, don't, we miss that whole first part where it says consider the lilies how. Consider the lilies, how, and how really means is by what means. What in the world's going on here? My brother always says that. What in the world? What in the world? And we need to take a pause and have a look at this. How do they grow? How do they grow? If we look at, at the lily, we'll say, well, things just grow according to their design. I planted corn. I got corn. I planted carrots. The carrots came up. I planted peas. Guess what? Please. How did they grow? And we go, I don't know. They just grew. We didn't consider for a moment how they're growing. When we have God's design in mind and we begin to understand God's plan and God's, how he grows and his DNA begins to come alive in us, we begin to grow in his pattern. When we have our own fleshly kind of ideas in there, we will grow according to how we see or how we've experienced. I've actually grown lilies and I I, I think lilies are very beautiful and I had some beautiful pink ones. And I had had them growing for many years and they went from one house to the next house. This next house that we're living in currently, the place where the garden was, was so full of rocks. Many times, many of our friends have come and helped me with those rocks. And we've resorted that garden, replanted, dug up rocks. I'm still pulling out rocks. And I planted the six lilies that I'd kept going for many years and I brought them with me, planted them in the ground. Two lilies came up. To this day, I only have one. I never had trouble with them before. One of the, the ones that didn't make it and now doesn't come up anymore. There were so many rocks that when it came up, it came up twisted. It tried to go around the rock. When the flowers were formed, here's the straight one that was, had no rocks underneath it, came up straight, beautiful, beautiful flowers. Six on just one stem. This one over here that had the rocks came out twisted, barely made one bud, didn't have all of its petals. There is a place where experience in our life tries to do that to us. Was there something wrong with the plant? No, it had been growing for years with no troubles. No troubles. The environment that it was in influenced its growth. When we have flesh in mind, it blinds us and says, well, it's all a mystery. I don't know how it grows. I don't know. I don't know why it turned out that way because when we've got in mind just the petals when we've got in mind just how it looks we miss how it grew god wants to us to understand how growth happens growth should be very natural should be natural for all of us i mean if you feed kids they grow they sometimes don't like what you feed them but they grow and and it's very natural to grow. It's very natural for believers to continue to grow their whole life on the earth. You don't stop growing because you're 85. You may not grow in your body, we hope not. However, there's a funny thing. Your ears grow even past when you've gone home. And hair for a little while too. Funny things. How do they grow? How do they grow? Are they growing by experience and environment? See, there was this thing, and I remember my pastors telling me this, I didn't like it. That's how you know it's flesh. You don't, you don't usually like it, especially when someone touches it. Woohoo! And they said, and they would tell us as teenagers, the world will influence you. And, and you know, be careful of your friends. Only have Christian friends. Don't, da-da-da, don't mix. Separate yourself from the world. And, and they were hard words. As teenagers, we went and then went and did what we wanted because we never do that as Christians either or adults. We just get better at hiding it. And, and so, you know, we didn't like it. And the truth was, and this is, this is the hard part, I began to live out what they said. Now, I thought I was a pretty strong Christian. I read my Bible every day. I prayed. I liked to follow rules. There were rules about it in the church I went to. So I followed them because I like rules and I like, I like borders and I like clean lines. I like black and white. So when they said, do this, I did it. Even when I was under my parents' roof, if there was an opportunity to do bad, when I was under their roof, I obeyed their rules, like it or not, because they were their rules. It wasn't my house. It was theirs. So I did what they asked me to like it or not, I did it. I didn't break the rules under their roof. And, and so I liked rules. But what I didn't see, you see, I thought the rules were making me good. I didn't see how that was part of the environment that was affecting my growth. I couldn't see it was affecting me. And I thought, I'm pretty good at this. Those people out there, I'd led a few of my friends to the Lord. I'd encourage them to come to church. I was doing all the good things, right? But they began to influence me, and I didn't see it. I didn't see that I was caving into legalism. Legalism will warp your growth just as much as rebellion. It made me into a certain way. I got kind of judgmental about my own self, what legalism led to was pride. I'm pretty good at this, I can avoid sin. Well, no, it didn't work. Flesh plans don't work. I couldn't see how it was affecting my growth. My flesh plan was warping my growth. I couldn't see the how, I was blind to it, see? As I submitted, when I got filled with the Holy Ghost, my eyes came open. It was like, ooh, that's not good. Uh, it's amazing how that works. <laughs> I began to see how environment affected me. I could see how experiences were trying to carve my lily. <laughs> and and I, you know where I saw it? How I treated others. How I treated others. It's like, oh. Well, that's not very good. Do you know there's a funny thing about lilies? They produce like a lot of stuff uh, pollen and, and they like they leak, they drip. And in fact, they influence me in other ways. <laughs> if you cut a lily and set them up here, it wouldn't be long and I'd be sneezing. They affect my sinuses, and I I'm believing God to be delivered of that, but but they cry. Interesting. I couldn't see how life was affecting me I couldn't see how experiences were warping how I spoke to others how I related to others couldn't see how it was affecting my growth consider the lily how it grows when our eyes come open to how God moves in us and we begin to embrace his plans and see it from his perspective you go oh And now you're not going to just look at the negative influence. You're going to say, well, if I'm in the right environment, if I'm being fed the right things, I'm going to be like that other one. One, one lily plant growing six of the most beautiful pink tiger lilies you'd ever seen. Six on one one plant. All beautiful, blooming, perfect, perfectly formed. In the right environment. I could see how important influence was in my life. I didn't want to see it before. See what I mean? Consider it. Take time with it. This verse is not just about God taking care of you so you don't worry. Yes, that's in there too you'll grow quite naturally in his environment. The question, step back and you say, how is my current environment affecting me? How have I been growing? Can you look and be honest and say, Lord, show me am I a six budded lily or am I like kind of twisted? Can that be changed? Well, if you get some rocks out, the twisting will stop. Yeah. Amen. That's just one wonderful how of the Bible. That Bible's full of hows. And how has become such an interesting word to me. Like, how did that work? And how did that work? I want to know how to encourage others so that their faith will grow. How did that person get more faith than the other? How is it that the centurion's servant had more faith than all the other Israelites. How did that work? Has it, haven't you ever asked? By what means, how? That's what it means, by what means. Let's go to Matthew chapter 12 and discover another how. I think this is interesting. one. Matthew 12, verse one. At that time, Jesus went on the Sabbath day through the corn and his disciples were hungered and began to pluck the ears of the corn and eat. And when the Pharisees saw it, they said unto them, "Ah!" That's what they did. What are you doing? You're eating on the Sabbath. You're breaking the rules, man. And you're letting your people do it. Can't you train them any better? Whoa, those disciples. You haven't got them in submission very well, have you? Good morning. Behold, your disciples, your disciples, do that which is not lawful to do on the Sabbath day. And Jesus says, have I mean, you read about David when he was a hungry and they were with him, how he entered the house of God and did eat the showbread, which was not lawful to him for eat. Now think about it. How did he enter? How did he enter? You ever thought about that? Now, God's given us, Jesus is saying, all right, here's the comparison study. He says, think about it. How did he enter? He went outside of his time. I went, hmm, that's interesting. You see, when David was, he wasn't king yet. He was anointed to be king, but he wasn't king yet. This is after he slayed Goliath. And he's out there. He's got the Philistines on his back. They're in a bad way. They haven't eaten. His people that are with him are hungry. He has no right to go into the tabernacle in the wilderness and eat the showbread. And he does. And he does. And he steps out of time into a place Because of who he was anointed to be. And I began to think, whoo, how do we enter into the presence of God? How do we come? Many people, how can I flow in the anointing? How can I enter into the presence of God? You know, I am human. How does this work? How does it work that the glory of God should manifest on simple flesh like this? How, how, how? And so then we try to make a whole bunch of lines and stuff, and we're going to try and line them up. We're going to find a formula. Mm -hmm. Well, here, maybe there's a formula with David and how he entered in. No, he just went in and took it. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And then a scripture, something like this, arises. Let us, therefore, come boldly. Woo! starts to make more sense, doesn't it? Ooh, and some of you began to think, well, this sort of reminds me of this. We can just come. Jesus says, come. You don't got to stay in the boat. When Jesus says, come, he didn't say, well, you're going to have to wait a while because I can see you didn't cross all your I's or dot all your T's or cross your dot your, yeah, mm, you got it. Any of that stuff. See, I'm not good at the legals anymore. Come boldly. Well, what in the world does that look like? Well, you just come. Well, I'm sitting here on my couch at home, in my cushy pajamas, and my housecoat, drinking a cold cup of coffee because the music went on long. <laughs> How do I come like you are? It's not deep. You say, I'm here. Jesus will be a good beginning you just come. Is it your right? Are you born again? If you're born again, there's no restraint. We're not waiting and we're not praying for heaven to open up. Many people are going, oh, open the windows of heaven. Yeah, what do you think the cross did? Mm, Jesus tore that, mm, it's torn, it's torn, the veil's torn. No one's got thread big enough to sew it back together come the window is open he tore it very preciously and paid for it greatly let's not act like heaven's shut the devil may try to convince you it's shut but he's a liar and why would you listen well it doesn't feel open yeah and we mm, that's, that's next week yeah that's, that's next week how did he enter how did he enter he just came Don't overcomplicate coming into the presence of God. Don't overcomplicate the anointing of God. The anointing is there on a task to accomplish what he said he'd do. Pretty plain and simple. You don't need a formula. He has come. And I'm so glad. The many times in my life where I didn't feel like I was good enough because nobody else ever felt that way. You made a mistake. And because no one else ever made one. King David came boldly and he had a big mess in his life more than once, more than once. He just came. Do we think about the hows? Or are we so concerned about the hows we've made it a book of rules? And just said sort of the simple things. We just come. We just come. I thought this was an interesting take from Mark eight and fifteen. This is after, after all of the, the, the miracles and God's already worked. This is Mark eight, so there's lots of stuff going down, and in fifteen he begins to talk about the Pharisees. Jesus is talking to him. Mark eight fifteen. This is another how. He said, take heed, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the leaven of Herod. And they reasoned among themselves it's because they have no bread. You see, the greatest hindrance to enter is right there. Your brain and mind want to figure it all out. We want to logistically go, well, well, by what means did they do that? We want to know that kind of how instead of God's kind of how. Our kind of how is based on fleshly rules and fleshly understanding. God's kind of how is based on the Holy Ghost working in us and discovering His plan and having it unfold before us and then just walking in it. It's not complicated. And He says, Why well, reason you? Because you have no bread. And watch the wording. Perceive is the word in King James. And if you look it up, you'll find it means exactly that there's a place where it's more than just not seeing it. There's a place where you're not seeing it with your understanding. Your understanding isn't at work here. So it says, perceive ye not, neither understand. Have you your heart hardened? It's an interesting question, don't you think so? So miracles are happening. Jesus has been doing all of these things and he asked them, Did your heart get hard? Did your heart get hard? Miracles happen all the time. They still happen all the time. God's still at work. If miracles would start the next revival, there'd have been 10. Hardness of heart blinds us they're emotional miracles are in a moment and they can open our eyes temporarily so that God can work but if we don't respond accurately to the miracle it won't have a lasting effect otherwise the world wouldn't look the way it does right what got hardened was it disappointment oh it didn't work for me My experience, whoa, there goes that kinky, weird-looking lily. Having eyes, see not. Having ears, hear not. Don't you remember? Don't you remember? And he brings up, he says, when I broke the five loaves among the 5,000, how many baskets of fragments? It's not about the bread. And he says to them, how? How? is it you don't understand? By what means did your understanding get trapped, hardened, blinded, and deafened? How did that happen? Because it wasn't Jesus' fault. What happened in there? Well, you say, well, life happened. Life happened. There was a Christian. They disappointed me. I got hurt. Then I blamed all of Christianity on it and God too. Don't think you'll never be hurt because Christians are people. Uh, They make mistakes. They might say things that are not Christian. They may watch something that's not Christian. They may do something that is not Christian. But we don't hold all of Christianity responsible. Amen? Amen. Especially if it hardens us to God's current miracles. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. How is it that we don't get it? God's here. We don't need another revival. We need hearing ears and seeing eyes. When we wake up and we allow God to have a keen look at ourselves not pretty, but we'll get through. Our understanding will be enlightened. Never be so afraid to let God show you a bit of your heart that needs adjusting. It will always be a good thing. That's how our understanding changes. Our understanding changes as we allow Holy Spirit to do that work inside. I don't want Jesus to ever ask me, how is it you ain't getting it? Right? You know, let's not have that on our gravestones. Well, I tried, but she didn't get it, you know. 95 years on the earth, but she still didn't get it. How is it she didn't get it? You know, that's not the motto I want to have, right? Hopefully none of you do either. (laughs) How is it you don't understand? There's a place God wants to work with our understanding. But that means we have to let go of our understanding. And I, 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 like I said, I like rules. I like logic. So sometimes that analytical part wants to go out and wants to make sure it all lines up. All right, God, let's line it up. Let's make it make sense. Let's have it all be in a nice row. And then I'll share it with others. And we'll make a new formula. And we'll all come out better. Nope. That's not how understanding works. Understanding works as we allow him to pull apart the places where we admit, this is how I was thinking. And some of our thinking needs changing. Amen. I just want to remind you, miracles don't work to get people born again. The gospel is what gets people born again. Amen. So a miracle can catch someone's attention. And it does. And it did. Caught a lot of people's attention. Whoa, look at that. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Heads up. There's a miracle. Now it's an opportunity. But it's the gospel preached of Jesus giving his life for you and me. And when we recognize the power, when we recognize the price, when we recognize just what the cross means, just how vital it is, just how vital vital the blood of Jesus is to forgive every one of us when we get it and we understand the how he took my sin now I'm changed now I'm changed because I think anybody who did that my I've felt guilt before haven't you I felt shame once or twice as well. And I felt regret. That's not pretty neither. But there's nothing so great. As knowing I've been washed clean. Oh my, my. And you know what it did inside of me? Made me want more. No one had to say, well, come on. Now we got to, you know, press into the presence of God today. Come on, get up. Blah, blah. When I put in front of it the power of the blood of Jesus, I, I, I'm, I'm thoroughly amazed. I, I honestly, honestly believe that the greatest miracle is he took something eternal as sin and was able to erase it from my account. Yeah. He erased it. And he doesn't remind me of it. Only I remind me of it. And if I do it often enough, I can get pretty sad about it. So can you. But God's not doing it. He's not doing the reminding. Let's be a bit more like God. Amen. When Elizabeth became pregnant with John. It was such a testimony. First because she was old. (laughs) But her whole family heard about it. And it turned them around. They heard it. Wow! They heard how the Lord showed her mercy, and laugh at her. Her family didn't laugh. But they heard it. They heard it. They heard how Jesus would do something so tremendous. And when you can hear how his mercy applies to you, you can get it, and your understanding will come alive. It's just like throwing a switch on the wall. It's like, woo-hoo, the power was always there. But it's like, whoa, light's on. Wow, that's better. You know, And that's what happens inside in your heart. It's like you can know all the stuff. I know that if I plug something into the wall, there's electricity in there as long as there hasn't been a squirrel biting the wire. And that's another story for another day. As long as everything is right, there's power inside those little funky things on the wall, even overseas. They might look different, and I might have to find a different plug, but there's power there. And if I plug in, whatever I'm plugging in has a result, has a reaction. If I plug in to what's already there, I plug into the mercy of God, I'll experience his mercy. It's not run out. And a squirrel can't bite that. I guess I better tell the story. So we were launching Hard is Not Forever, the book, and we had all this stuff set up, and it was a great day. And suddenly the lights start kind of dimming in the church We're like what is going on and and the power wasn't working correctly and so a couple of the men went to investigate the situation because they were doing some road work out there they thought maybe one of the workers had cut the line but they go out there and they find that on the line there was a squirrel and he was no longer with us but he was certainly attached to the wire <laughs> <laughs> and so the power did not work well that day And some poor individual had to go out there and release the squirrel into his afterlife. (laughs) We don't know how that happened, but (laughs) praise the Lord. We know a few other hows and we're getting them, amen? In Luke chapter 8, we have another how. And I like this one personally because I think it builds on where we've been going. Luke chapter 8. Verse 16, no man, when he's lit a candle, covers it with a vessel. And I remember so well Pastor Neil preaching about this and walking around with a basket on his head. I'm not sure where that's archived, but maybe one of our media people can find it and bring it up because I think it's worth another watch. But I'm sure it's in the archive somewhere. But it was pretty good. I remember. He said he covers it with a vessel, Luke 8, 16, puts it under a bed, but sets it on a candlestick that they which enter may see the light. Now, we often talk about uh, this as like, well, just covering up your light and things. But if you think about my very first uh, talking about that lily, the experiences of life can cover your light. Well, how do they do that? By you having a sticking attitude about something went down bad. That's how. Well, so-and-so did. And everything about your light will have that m on it. It'll have a cover. It'll have a uh. And everything that come out of your grass on it, moss, and all the other things that grow and things like that. There is nothing secret that shall not be made manifest, neither anything hid. Everybody knows. Everybody knows when you're offended. Everybody. 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 And everybody knows when you're angry. Everybody knows. If you see people and they're walking around you carefully and they're just kind of smiling and he's going, chances are they're. you might think, why are they acting weird? Because you are. <laughs> if they held up a mirror, you'd see your face, but you probably don't want to. There's nothing hidden. There is nothing hidden. There's nothing hidden. And then he says, take heed, therefore, how you hear. Hmm. That's your responsibility, how you hear. How are you hearing? How are you hearing? I think out of all the things I've gone through as a pastor in many years of ministry, the most difficult thing I face is when I see people who know or have access to knowledge so that they don't hurt themselves. And I watch them, and I know I can't help them. They have to figure it out themselves. That's hard. Hard for a parent, hard for a pastor. I thought it was hard for a parent, but then when you're a pastor, you're kind of a parent of more. And and you provide people, you show them, here's a better way. And they cut themselves, some literally. Take heed how you hear. Who is the voice you run to in a panic? Who is that voice? When things are tough, the voice you hear, who do you trust? Do you run to the TV? Do you take an aspirin and go lay down and put the covers over? How you hear, how you hear. The answer, we talk about all the time, answer's there, answer's there, answer's there. But you know, they gotta figure it out themselves and do it themselves. Jesus, help them. Help them. Help them have eyes to hear, eyes to see, and ears to hear. It's about how you respond. This, again, is after the parable of the sower and the seed. All those verses, that's where they come from, that's where it is. It, your life will demonstrate how you have been hearing. It will. No one ever has to go through life hurt. No one ever has to do that. When you see your children and they're teenagers and you give them all the warnings, I always remember Reverend uh, Ray Bloomfield. He talked to me and I was just a young parent. I think our kids were like, we only had two at that point, so pretty small. And he says, you know, he says, come here. And he sits down in front of me and he says, you tell your children don't climb the fence. You warn him two or three times and you know what they do they climb the fence and you know what happens they fall and sometimes they break their arm and you know what you do you come back to the house and you pray for them to be healed and you don't condemn them and then he gets up and he walks away and i thought "Hmm." like we're in the middle of just having a picnic outside and playing all kinds of games with the church. It was a church picnic, I mean, everybody having fun. And, and the environment that we were in and the influence we were in was of the flesh. And here he walks in and sits, there were other people there. He could have sat with other people. And he sits and looks me in the eye and says this, in the middle of a whole flesh party. And I've never forgotten. But it's never been easy. And still pray for them. When they come back. How you hear. Will be lived out. In how you live. I want to give you one more. I have lots. (laughs) The Lord. But in every nation that fears him and works righteousness is accepted with him. The word which God sent unto the children of Israel, preaching peace by Jesus Christ, he is Lord of all. That word I say, you know. I'm going to say that again. That word I say, you know. Believers, we know this word, which was published throughout all of Judea, began from Galilee after the baptism which John. How God anointed Jesus! How God anointed Jesus! Many, many crave to understand. How God anointed Jesus. And he went forth doing good. And healing people. And healing people from oppression. But how does that work? How can we operate in that today? We're supposed to. How did God anoint Jesus? Turn with me to Philippians. Chapter 2. we the mind of Christ. But I believe it's this. You see, the anointing's on a task. It comes from heaven. It's always going to do what it's always going to do. The anointing isn't a gift. It's not going to reside. It's not something you own or I own. It's not going to be on call when I want it. It's like, okay, I need the anointing. I need the anointing. It's not like that. People tried. It didn't go well. You don't buy the anointing. You don't pray for the anointing. I don't get down on my knees before a meeting uh, uh, or a, uh, when I'm doing a crusade. I don't get down and go, "Oh God, let you know." I crave your anointing. Let it flow through me. No, no, I don't pray that because the word's anointed. What I'm called to if I will receive my setting in place. If I will believe the very purpose of God is being established in my life. If I believe he has sent me, then there is an anointing to accomplish what he has sent me to do. But I don't own that. And neither do any of you. And this is where many are making mistakes and they fall and they get in all kind of trouble. Because they think they're after the anointing. I'm not. How is God? How did God do it? Verse 5, Philippians 2. Let this mind be in you, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men. And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death even the death of the cross. If you think Jesus came to the earth and go woo woo I get to go to the cross for all the people they're going to be okay. It did not go down that way. The pain of it. Imagine if you can. Take a moment and consider that lily that was given for us. That lily was pure, undefiled, without sin. Took all the sin that ever was and would be and took it all. How many of you have sinned in a moment and felt horrid with one sin? Maybe in your eyes it was a big sin, but it was one And it was yours. It was yours. Think how horrible you felt. Anybody know what I'm talking about? And here's Jesus. He takes it all. Every bit. Before, during, and after. Everybody's. Everybody's. The weight of that. When all you've known is purity. All you've known was the honor of his father. And now the true voice in his life. He cannot even walk through with. Was the father watching? Absolutely. But because the father is holy and pure. When he took the sin. It created separation. That he had never had. And he becomes separated from that which was true and pure and holy and takes yours and mine and everyone else's. This is not nice. When you consider this and you say, How God anointed Jesus, He was anointed to that task. He was anointed to go and accomplish what was in front of him. So there was strength within him placed by heaven to do it. But that never made it easy. There may be some things in your life that God's called you to do that are not easy. And you think, well, this is pretty tough. But God's called you to it. It May not feel pleasant. Sometimes we have to tell people the truth. And that's not always pleasant. But what's worse? Them living in hell for eternity? What's worse? Our personal pain for a moment? Became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross, wherefore God also has highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name. It goes deeper and our understanding can expand right here. This is how. This is how. Himself aside, focused on the purpose of his father. That's how. And when his own purposes were set aside, and he followed the purpose of his father. There was an anointing to accomplish everything he was set out to do. Many times in my life, I faced personal tragedy, personal pain, the pain of others. Watched people grow and thought, but when I'm in the place where I'm called to be, it gets accomplished. And it's amazing. It's absolutely amazing. I know at that moment, it wasn't me. I am aware that he's working through me. If I could reach every one of you, And say, dig in, put yourself aside, and allow his purposes to live in you, you would see that anointing would come in your life too. It would come for what he's called you to do. And it's not just about preaching the gospel. Do you know what? I'm anointed to be a wife, I'm anointed to be a mother. I'm anointed to be a grandmother. And when I realized that that was part of God's purpose, he gave me children that he knew what they would be like. He gave you the children. He knows what they'd be like. He didn't give the anointing to raise them to someone else. He gave it to you. If you'll set aside the, Oh, they're so fascinating. That will be your understanding. And just like the crooked lily that cannot understand, you'll be blinded to the how. But when you settle in his purpose, his how gets understood. Now you think, well, well, if that's the case, those kids are coming right around now. Amen. I'm anointed for this. He didn't give me somebody else's kids, he gave me this once. Everybody says, Children are a gift from the Lord. Well, if they are, <laughs> he's gifted you to raise them. What else has he gifted you to? Discover where he set you. Be settled in it. And the house will be understood. There's lots more hows in his word, and we can learn to live them out, and it's nice, and it's fun. And I know they can make a difference. Some of you are called to preach. That's different. We should all be called to preach, but not everybody's called to lead. That's another day. But whatever he's set before us, whatever he's called us to, will cause that lily to burst forth beautiful, beautifully, straight, and many flowers that can produce seeds that will cause many others to grow. Growth is natural. And it's so much easier when we don't fight it. Thank you for listening today. We hope you have been strengthened and encouraged by the message you've heard. To hear more from our pastors or to learn more about Celebration Life Church, you can visit our website at celebrationlife.ca. You can contact us by phone at 604-594-7327, or you can write to us at Unit 2A, 13139 80th Avenue, Surrey, B.C., V3W, 3B1.